start that countdown. Five, four, you better strap yourself in. Three, two, buckle up, motherfucker, fucker. Five, wait, why'd you go back to five? It's time for the Dan Fogler 4D Experience Podcast. <laughs> talk to him and then we'll well we can talk now we can talk now hey are we recording we are recording you son of a (laughs) don't you want to take a ride with this thing and i go to the other side with the uh and the schmankle dangle do i take you to the other way what did you see the fucking oh my god have you seen The Greatest Showman? Oh, yes. I saw that actually. I took myself to go to that show last Saturday night. That was but my you hot day. What you do. And I could do what I do. I was just like, I was so fucking tired of that damn through song. I was exhausted. You didn't by like it. It. I, it was just exhausting me after a while. I was like, all right, I get it. I you get know what? it. Oh, which through song? The one he starts with the. Uh, um, I'm going home or something. Uh. About the way things are gonna be, or something like that. I don't know. I mean, I I was. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I was, you know, I was happy that it was there, but I was kind of like, I was, you got to look was, on the. Well, go ahead. I was it. just a little. I was a little bored, just frankly. Just really? A hair, I was a hair bored. You were a hair bored. I was a hair bored. I love Kiala Settle though. Shut up, Keith. Her, Keith Harriscourt. <laughs> price every Keith Harriscourt price. It's Keith. So you have your you have you have your own uh, show, right? So yes. So what's your show? Oh, so my own podcast. Yeah, it's Broadway. Keith, yeah, my Keith Price's Curtain Call that I do. So it's it's very it's like kismet that you're here because I, I can't get this fucking this greatest showman music out of my head. Okay, so you saw uh, uh, Evan Hansen. Yes, I did. Okay, so Evan Hansen uh, on Broadway. I love that show. Right. Did you uh, cry like a bitch? I was like, <laughs> yeah. He <laughs> cried enough for everybody, didn't he? He, he was, <laughs> it was like a Gallagher show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there was a lot. There was a lot. Bill Murray was walking around and being like, yes, let's take samples of that for later. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but it was, it, uh, what, a, what an amazing performance. Yes. And, um, and I was, yes, yes, there was a lot of crying. Mm-hmm. And the music was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure that people, you know, but I, I didn't, I didn't fully fall in love with it, uh, where I was just like, couldn't get the music out of my head. But I really appreciate the music, and right. uh, and and, my God, you just have to have a lot of stamina to to perform those songs, right? Just like any Broadway thing. But these are these are very they're like Olympic, yeah, kind of things that you yeah, have to put yourself marathons, to do. yeah, and. Uh, so then I saw La La Land and I just shat all over it. Oh, I just it, shit. It was, it was terrible, wasn't it? Uh, well, Come on. What'd you say? Did you like it? Oh, I just La La Land. Sh- I shit it all I over it. I shat all. I hated that shit. Well, here's I the thing. Hated like, it. I, you, you know what? Because at its heart, it it was the same exact thing as The Greatest Showman. Exactly. It was that uh, you know, follow your dream, mm-hmm. take risks. 
And even though it's like the craziest fucking idea and you, you feel like a maniac and you feel like an outsider, just fucking go with your heart. It's the same goddamn story. Same story. So how come <laughs> La La Land just <laughs> made me want to just fucking <laughs> just because you know what it was with La La Land? I said it a million times was I, I wish it was although I love those actors. I love them in everything. I, I just right. they're wonderful. Um, I just knew I just wanted them to be. For some reason, in that movie, I wanted them to be unknowns. I wanted them to be very talented unknowns, right? Because I knew that Gosling, you know, and and uh, you Emma know that, Stone that, and, that yeah. they were gonna like after a take that they would just go and get their. <laughs> can I get a chai latte this time? And can we have it in a bottle because plastic is crazy. You know, like whatever. You know what I mean? Like I knew that was happening. They're not like I'm ready to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, they might have been, but I knew that they that 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 they were fine. That Away they, from the mirror, that they weren't hungry. Yeah, you know it wasn't. They, yeah, they weren't like thankful to have that fucking job. Like, oh my god. And this is our story. I mean, this is a lot of, of performance story and their heart. You just but so now you look at so basically, if you if the, if if you were like, man, fuck, I wish they were, I wish they I wish they really spoke to me. I would say go see. Um, the Greatest Showman, which is about Barnum and the circus and everything, and I spent the first part of the movie watching the movie, going, "Wait a minute, is this?" Because I, I knew about Barnum, right, right, which was is a Broadway show, yes, Cy Coleman, and I was like, "Did they just revamp it?" And I was like, "No, they're all these; these are all new songs." So then I I thought, because a lot of themes in it are about renewal and starting over, mm-hmm. and you know, and um. And I thought uh, this would be good to to go see on New Year's with my wife, right? So, oh, right. So I went and I I saw it again with her. And the second viewing, yeah, <laughs> was uh, it was I was I really got into the music. The first time I saw it <laughs> was um, was a magical thing as well because I was spending a lot of time analyzing it. But I saw it, um, in I saw it in uh, at Court Street. Okay. Okay. In Brooklyn, okay. So it was basically. <laughs> it wasn't your, your normal Manhattan theater crowd. <laughs> well, no, I go. I live in Brooklyn, so I go there a lot. All right. I, I I go to the movies there a lot, actually. But and 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 it's usually just just I'm like the only white guy in the theater, right? <laughs> and it's amazing to see a movie like that because it's a lot. Usually, it's you know, it's in the middle of the day or something. Right. And it's a and it's a lot of teenagers cutting school or something, right? You know? And uh, so I was watching this with them, and I think I got a lot of spillover from people that didn't get into Last Jedi or something. And <laughs> so it was it was just a rowdy crowd. And then the the thing starts, The Greatest Showman, and they are just like it was a party in there. You they know, were they in... were fucking getting into it. Man. All right. And there's this moment where Efron, you know, Efron is uh, Zach Efron, who I. I know from like the stupid neighbor movies with Seth Rogen. With Seth Rogen, you know, I've seen him in a few things. Was it the High School Musical and Hairspray? Yeah. Yeah. I've, well, yeah. Right. Right. I didn't see those things, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> this uh, this I saw. So I, I didn't know he had he was this talented. You know. Yeah. I, I didn't know he had this range. Yeah. So, uh, so I see him in this, um, and I see he's got this scene with the. Um, the the girl you know the african-american uh, zendaya. girl zendaya zendaya and she is just 
gorgeous, and she is this trapeze artist, like the Cirque du Soleil. Mm-hmm. And you saw the Greatest Show, yes, right? I saw I'm it this just weekend, assuming yes. you saw it. Great. So you <laughs> know that fairy, you, you know that that fairy. You know they have they have spoilers. They like have this very sexy romance, um, and uh, so the the scene where. He's just all just fucking. Let's just fucking do this thing. I don't. Yeah. Care, I don't care anymore. I don't care what my parents exactly. think. Exactly. You know. <laughs> and there's that scene in in the in the, uh, in the circus. They they sneak into the circus, <laughs> and uh, and it's this weird scene where she's on like these like 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 snapping like uh, like bungee ropes yes. that, that yank her <laughs> away from him, him and he jumps at her and it's like it's like Jesus that was painful. All right, they're still into it. Okay, good. So, but uh, at the beginning of the scene, he walks out and it's silence in the crowd. Exactly. Fucking silence in the audience. Mm-hmm. And every single teenage girl is just like, what the fuck is he going to say, damn it? And then he goes, the first line he says is something like, I want you. Or something like, like, I need you, some shit. And, yeah, and, and, and like every girl, every girl in the audience was just like, I need you too. I want you now too. You know, and they were like so into it. It was. It's like it's like being at a concert. I love watching movies there, um, and uh, it was it was it was intense. You know what I'm talking about. I love that though. I love I it. I love That's it. That's the best way to see that movie. I think I would have enjoyed it more if it had been like that kind of audience. <laughs> oh my god! Because there was that moment though. He comes out. And he is <coughs> Zac Efron. Is you know for the scale very dreamy. And so the dreamy fact is that what you he's said? so dreamy. And so when he comes out, <laughs> I know you're just like, really? That's the description. Come on, he's I dreamy, it, man. I got you. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, I got you, man. He's 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 a uh, you know he's he's a fucking handsome dude. Yep, he's, ripped. He's he's ripped. ripped. He's he's dancing like and a maniac. Uh, yes, got excellent stamina. Come he's got on, got a good now. voice. I understand. Shh. You see what I'm he's saying? He's flying in the air. He's <laughs> humping her. Humping her in the air. At 360 miles an hour. <laughs> It's spinning. Can, can he get any hotter? Singing. Okay, so there's a song. Okay, there you go. I can't. I can't get it out of my head. Okay, so now yeah. now we're on this tip where you have. So you have Hugh Jackman. Um, and you have this guy who they're both like, these like two fisted like ladies men, you know, and they're singing to each other, in this in this bar, and and I can't get this fucking song out of my head. And and it's talking about come to the other side. He's like, what side are you talking yeah, about, Jackman? There's gonna come more shots at me. Let's see what happens. So that so how many shots did they take during this? It, it looked like it was a total of eight, but it was like four. That looks like five hundred shots. But I mean, but the way that they were doing it in Holy the scene. Holy shit! They were, it, if I'm telling you, if you haven't seen this thing, it was great. It was a spectacle in itself. Just the two of these guys in the bar. It was like, <laughs> and then the bartender like having and his the, little oh, right, cheese the, moment. And the bartender there, and he's like <laughs> juggling fucking uh, shot glasses, and they're awesome. filling. And it's the sound. The, it was like stomp. It mm-hmm. was like stomp with the fucking sound of this, the pouring and the shots and the drinking and the and the and then the whole fucking scene. They're going back and forth. Jackman's just like, come on, man. Fucking come to the circus. <laughs> you know, let's come hang out with the freaks. You know, let your freak flag fly. Exactly. And uh, and uh, it's Zach right. is just like, eh, nah, it's okay. I like where I am on the Upper East Side. You know, you guys are kind of fucked up. But then, of course, you know, he convinces him about, you know, just fucking, it's getting old what you're doing. And, and obviously, he does come to the other side. He finds love and he finds everything he's ever wanted. So, mm. but this fucking song, I can't. Oh, you gotta get away with me. Snish, snangle, dangle, beef with me. To the other side. Okay, I can't get this shit out of my head. <laughs> I, I, it's been, I can't sleep. <laughs> 
So uh, the fucking music is good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you can do what you do, and you can do what I do, and then the fucking they're dancing. <laughs> it's like what I didn't understand. Like what period are we in? And I don't care. What style with the well, dancing? You know, it's, you know, it was like seen, everything going on. No, you've on. seen You've seen them. It was like the best parts of Moulin Rouge. <laughs> you know, Moulin Which, Rouge is just crams the uh, the genres together and puts the modern music. And that's what I was definitely going on with this, mm-hmm. um, and I loved it, and, I, and, I, and the fucking dancing, and I'm sitting there going fucking, going, oh my god, you know that's that's Logan. <laughs> and fucking if you if you can't mutant. if you can't watch this movie and just appreciate the the spectrum of this guy's ability, exactly, then you're a maniac. Exactly. And then now we go to the now now we're at the Golden Globes. Yes. So. Now so what the, about your friend? Because we're at that time. No, no, I told him we were running a little late. Okay. Uh, so we're at the Golden Globes, right? So we're, I'm sitting there. I'm thinking, okay, I didn't see everything, but I definitely saw The Greatest Showman. <laughs> and I saw Disaster Artist. Oh, you did? Uh, yeah. Of course you did. And What do you mean, of course? No, that just seems like the right kind of film for you. <laughs> I want to see everything. He was hysterical. Yeah. Okay, Franco was hilarious. But I, I don't think he deserved to win that over... Over over Hugh Jackman, right? Or over uh, the kid from Get, Get Out. Out. Even though that was in the the, ca- the craziest category, the he, yeah. they should have given it to him first. They should have given it to him first. You know what I'm saying? They should have given and, it to and him I, first. And then uh, Tommy Wiseau, you know the guy who the whole thing is based on. Right. He gets up on stage. He's he's like walking up on stage. Who knows if it was if it was spontaneous or not. And Frank was just like, all right, come up on stage. Okay, so you're at that point. You're being gracious. He's coming up on stage. The guy leans over for the mic. You say, pup, 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 pup. let me say something first. You know? Say, let me say something first. This is about you, brother. Okay? Instead, he just like pushes him out. And then he just does a spiel. And then he never lets, then he never goes, hold on, hold on, hold on, wait, stop the music, let Tommy say something. Like, no, he doesn't say that. He's just like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Yeah, we're done. Don't let this maniac say anything. Exactly. You know, who cares at that point? We've you know? given him too much power now. That fucking pissed, <laughs> that pissed me off. Really? Yes, it did. Because they were afraid to let him, it's like, you know. He's on stage already. I'm ready, just give him a word. You're, you're just going to look like a big old dick by just like giving him the fucking Heisman and pushing him out of the way like that. The stiff arm. And I, you know what I mean? This isn't about you, kid. Yeah, well, he's already <laughs> up on stage. He didn't even let his... Listen, if you're going to bring people up on you stage... You got to let them talk. And they want to say something, mm-hmm. you got to let them talk. Sometimes they don't want to just want to chill there. That's fine. Because, I mean, that's the moment that the guy's been waiting for. The guy made it up there. You fucking let him say <laughs> thanks. You let him say Whatever indecipherable fucking thing he's gonna mutter, it's, no one's gonna know what he says. It's still anyway, than whatever Kirk Douglas had to say, I mean, whoa, yeah, come on, yeah, that was, um, come on, yeah, it was Zeta and Kirk, <laughs> and he, and it was very, it was very hard to see him like that. Like we just didn't need to have that as an image. <laughs> we just didn't. It was almost like a, like a a Snoke moment. He was. <laughs> He was Snoke, and he was just all like, "Just chop me in half already." Well, I don't know why he sounds like Brando. Uh, you know, I, it's he, time for me to go. He it's was time uh, for me to go. Yeah, there was. Don't, that's so terrible. I'm sorry. He's an icon. I know. He's crying with the one tear, Spartacus. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, that's not nice. Zeta just being like. 
She's like, I'm pushing 60. Look at my titties. Look at my titties. My God. It's like, I hope that I'm not stuck with this doddering old man forever. That's terrible. <laughs> Who's going to pick him up after? That's terrible. I need to go to the vanity he's fair gonna, for he him. Made a deal, he made a deal with the devil, and he's just going to be around forever. He's gonna be, It's going to be him just... and Mick Jagger. And they're just going to fucking battle it out. Keith Richards. Like two like fucking skeletors. That's terrible, Dan. That's awful. Keith, you said it. I... You're the one who brought it up. Don't you make me say that shit I don't want to talk about cause Right here, right now, I put the offer out I don't want to chase you down, I know you see it You run with me, and I can cut you free Out of the treachery of walls you keep in So trade that typical for something colorful And if it's crazy, live a little crazy you can play it sensible, a king of conventional, or you can risk it all and see. trapped in now i admire you and that'll show you do you're onto something really it's something but i live among the swells and we don't pick up peanut shells i'll have to leave that up to you Okay, so <laughs> I take my to the other gig. So then, so then we have that was the Golden Globes. Uh-huh. I mean, uh, more Golden Globes will come up. I mean, fucking Oprah, like, like yeah, honey, she wasn't playing last night. Yeah, I, I really appreciate uh, these ladies being strong, man, and um, I think that a lot of a lot of uh, cre- great creative. Activity is going to come out of it, and I hope that it politically things start to get stirred up. Like, yeah. would you love to see, like a like they said it, didn't they? Oprah Hanks, like twenty twenty. <laughs> oh yeah, what's up, <laughs> Seth Meyers' joke about, you know, if it's not was, just it's not it's not funny. He's like he was saying, it's if good, I say it that it doesn't happen, then it will happen. Right, right. That's right. what it was. So they can't be in twenty twenty and twenty. Yeah, it'll be funny. It was a very historical. Mo- Do you think that um, I didn't see the three billboards? Uh, what is it outside of? Uh, uh, outside of something. Although in... I love, I love her and I love Sam and I, you know, I, I want them to do well. And uh, I think this is going to be a really good coup for that movie because people yeah, are people now going to go see it. I'm going to go see it. Definitely. Um, and then, uh, and then they came out and were just like the, they were just like, hey, hey, hey no, no, not, well, we, not, not yet for all the Golden Globes for the post. <laughs> oh yeah. And then they got fucking nothing. <laughs> they got nothing. Was that a ooch? That, that was shady, right? That was that was. <laughs> Fucked. But it was a good. That was a great bit, though. We'll invite them. We'll invite them. 
Be but nice to have them right behind Oprah. But isn't that just kind of the the gist of how they do that? It's like if you, oh yeah, they tantalize you with the. It might happen. It might happen. And look, we've got champagne. The guy from what's the kid's name from Get Out? Uh, I can't oh, remember. His I name. know it's a very complicated. Uh, his name. performance was. What is it? It's a very. It's kind of complicated. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was a. Uh, well, it don't roll off the tongue. Let me look at the thing. Watch when you look it up, you're gonna be like, you know, I'm right. <laughs> Um, okay, so I loved his performance. He was genius, man. Um, and and that movie was fucking genius um, in a lot of ways. And it was it was stirring. It was a lot of different genres put together. It was so of the the moment. Yeah, you know, um, in a lot of ways that it was more so than the other movies. I think I know. You know, it's like uh, it's hard to compare the. Hard to compare art, but um, I loved everybody's fucking performance in that movie. That I, you was know, from great. Allison Williams, right? Yes. So his name is, she was just like freaky in that movie. His name is, it's not so crazy. His name is Daniel, which is my name. And is. Get uh, that last name. Kalu- Kaluuya? Mm-hmm. I got it right. Bradley <laughs> Whitford, who's awesome. And he then Catherine great. Keener, who's like always amazing. Um, and, uh, oh, yeah, Stephen, Stephen Root. Stapler, it's my stapler. <laughs> that fucking guy. I love him and everything. So, I don't know. I, I, and, but you can tell that Daniel was sitting there and he was just like, man, I'm not even in the right category. I was just thinking the same thing. Like, yeah, he was just like, I'm not going to get fucking, get the camera out of, get the camera out of the way. Get it out of my face. Get it out of my just, fucking face. He just seemed kind of just like. <laughs> Bleary-eyed, tired. <laughs> like fuck this man. And then Seth was just like, "Hey, wait a minute! That movie was about a bunch of white people mm. and, uh, and abusing the talents of black people." Uh, get out! Get out! <laughs> I think he really was just like, "Fuck, man! You're right. You're right." Jesus Christ! I always said that that movie is the cautionary tale that every old black woman that I ever grew up with in Texas <laughs> used to tell us as kids. Yeah, we t- yeah. You stay. Don't you get too close to them white girls. You just better be careful of them white girls. <laughs> don't try that white girl's pie. That's right. <laughs> too late, Mama. Too late. <laughs> I've been hooked, Mama. <laughs> okay, I don't know how much of that is. Uh, Regulation. Hey, man, I, uh, let me tell you something. I'm going to be thanking a lot of people this year. We're legitimate. We yes, are, you are. We are a legitimate thing. You know why? Why? Because the 4D experience, because of, I just said this right away, the, the mentitude of, of Kevin Smith having me on his show and the synchronicity of the, his connection to the guys over at the 4D, the people who make the 4D experience happen. Right. Okay. Uh, this guy named uh, uh, Brett Deacon. Okay, he mm-hmm. he goes over there and he gives them like forty tickets every once in a while. He's listened to the show. He's like, dude, we love the show, and they're sending tickets over, man. They're gonna be ba- they're sponsoring us. I mean, Shut like, I, as far as I'm concerned, fucking, this is like a fucking thing, man. You are fucking legit. Yeah, I didn't daddy. sign anything. Ow. I didn't sign anything, but they're sending us all sorts of merchandise. They love all the ideas. Nothing's you know squared away yet, but they're they sent they're sending all these fucking tickets. That's awesome. So they're sponsoring my 4D habit, man. That's cool. So I think they're they're sending a shitload. And well, here's the thing: is that like uh, Last Jedi is probably going to be 
in there until February or Easily. something. So they're sending me a shitload of tickets, and I'm probably not gonna be able to use all of them, you know, for this particular one. So what I'm gonna do is, um, if whoever hasn't seen, have you seen? The last I haven't one? seen it. Oh, I, dude. Okay. So I we'll, haven't seen it. Well, get, you got to see it 4D. Okay. Because we'll get everybody together who hasn't seen it. We'll do like a Last Jedi 4D screener party, and then we'll Yay. and then we'll have fun. We'll talk about it. maybe we'll do a, like a live thing after. Mm. Yeah, and, and uh, look with the audience for the first time. God forbid. That could be cute. Yeah. That could be very cute. Very cute. We'll we'll wear nice pants. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have pleated pants. And I'll eye in nice my shirt. shirt. A very nice shirt. Okay, so I think that we <laughs> So so thank you, That's Kevin Smith. Hot. Thank you for the experience. This is it took us th- it took us three seasons. Hey. I found that I'm the only person doing seasons on podcasts, but <laughs> yeah, hey, what are you gonna do? You know what? You keep it that way, it makes it sound fancy. Exactly. Exactly. That's fabulous. Oh, I do, I do want to, thanks, brother. I do want to uh, make it uh, animated at some point. Can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine it ad- go back to episodes of the animated you and me and Nikki, <laughs> Nikki D animated? <laughs> Holy shit! Nikki D. He doesn't even fit in this. He doesn't even fit in the room. <laughs> Everyone just squished in there with him. Nikki, get out of the way, Nikki. I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. He's like eating the microphone. <laughs> His head's not even in the frame. <laughs> That's the bit. He like bends down. He has to bend down, and you see like part of his face. <laughs> Nikki, Jesus, you're breathing too hard. <laughs> I gotta get Nikki back in here. Yeah, he, he he was a huge part. I mean, he whatever. He, he's a maniac. <laughs> but uh, you know, we we're all in the tanks, and uh, I'm not gonna apologize for that. Don't F- fucking uh, let's call my buddy. All right. So here's the um, we are calling. We're calling uh, Ryan Philippi. Shut I up. <laughs> yeah. I hope I I'm it. so glad you waited until right now to tell me that. Okay, relax. <laughs> Calm down. Okay. You're good, man. We're I'm good. good. Okay. Uh, here he comes, man. Are you flipping out? I'm just a little bit. Good. <laughs> Hello. There he is. Yo. How you doing, man? You know, buddy, I'm hanging in there. I start shooting in a week, so I'm kind of like in full prep for that. Is this connection bad? Yeah, it's weird. There's like a humming. Oh, it's also so strange that you're ever on a, a landline or a phone anymore. I know. <laughs> like, it's like, this sounds weird. You know, it's like, and, and to be holding it in your hand. And I, I think about that a lot. Like, how when we were kids, like, yeah. the phone, like, the. The, the landline was all you had, and, like, in my house where I had three sisters, we, you know, we all had to wait our turn to talk to whoever it was we needed to talk to. And I remember my right. mom getting that super stretchy cord, you know, that's, like, 100 feet. Oh, yeah. So that if you wanted to have some privacy, you could go around the corner <laughs> or go, like, to the powder room and sit in there. And then we're never on phones anymore. It's almost like... I, I have to, a reaction to the phone, like almost anxiety about the phone, about being right, on right. the phone. All the time, right? It's just like this weird... It's weird because it used to be such a part of our lives. It was, yeah, it was yeah. what we did, every, you know, it's the only way we could communicate. And now it's like, oh my God, why is the house phone ringing? Like it's an alarm. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's rare. It's rare. I remember Who's calling my house? Who's calling me? Yeah, man. I, I, yeah, that, that crazy long tether that you had to the wall. It was, there was something crazy about that, you know? 
It was like yeah, like, and you know, and then I had three sisters, so you know they were oh, way okay. more phone friendly than I was even at that age, and they would fight over who got to be on the phone. And there was only one line, you know. We had no money, and it's not like we had an office, you know. It's like my there was one line into out of my house, and that was the that, and it's just crazy how now it's changed to such a degree that you're like on a regular phone and it feels odd. Were you uh? Were you older or younger, brother? What was your deal with the siblings? I have one older sister and two younger sisters. Okay. So you had so you had a lot of, of estrogen at all times. Tons. Tons. And in fact, my dad worked um, night shift a lot of the time growing up, so it was re- literally me and four women in the house uh, most of the time. And... <laughs> That it definitely informed and affected uh, who I became, both positively and negatively in some ways. But um, yeah, that, that was my that was my life. I can't wait to come out to California again, mostly mostly because of of the pot. But uh, I think it'll be really. I, I you know what's really interesting, dude, is that like I actually cut down. Uh, I haven't, I haven't really, I haven't really, I've been like using the pens and I, and uh, I only, I haven't bought, you know, like big quantities of ganja like I usually do uh, in a while. Like it was like a, like a pre New Year's thing and, and, uh, and I've been, I've been sticking to it, but I'm excited to go out to California to actually actually walk into a store and, and and buy weed like a normal person and uh, yeah. yeah you know i was I, i've cut back substantially as well on everything like i barely drink anymore and i smoke a lot less than i than i did when i was younger and i wonder like no one's telling me to do that you know like i right. don't currently have a wife i don't have you know like, <laughs> obviously you're you're sensitive to those things in regards to your right. kids and all of that sort right. of thing. But no, I feel like it, it's a it's a component to aging or maturity or something. yes, it's, it's yes. Like, you know, I, and I feel you're realizing like your body is a flag. temple. Say that again. What's that? I was like, you're realizing your body is a, is a temple, and you know, you're you know, time is, well, is that or, limited. Or, or or you just get friggin' tired. You know, it's like <laughs> I, I get up at six thirty in the morning during the weeks my son to school this is like when i'm not shooting when we are shooting we know what our hours are then in 14 15 hour days and right it's Jesus. like you've got to be the stamina you, though the stamina that you have is, i think it does have to do with that i mean you have you have just from working with you on secrets and lies and, and just seeing but you're you're kind of superhuman though. You like you have a tremendous amount of stamina, man. They were having you run from every fucking scene. Like they, it was like like why can't he take the car? No, no, no. The car is continuity. You can't have the car here. He's gotta run to the fucking place. And you were always like running in the rain everywhere. And uh, it is true. And I know yeah, that the uh, I know that the shooter movie that you're working on. Uh, that's got to be the shooter show has got to be exhausting as well. It is, man. It is, and I do my own stunts on it. And, I know you, you do. know, but you do. You feel that that decline come. You feel like that that you know. Even the guy I was a few years ago when we did Secrets and Lies and the energy I had then. It's like the drop off is real and it's coming. And there's and there's only so much that you can do about it. But wow. um, you I just, know, it is. It's, I have 
when I do, I wonder, like, in years as you start to kind of forget things, I wonder if I'll, I'll, I'll think that I played a runner in Secret Demise, because that's what <laughs> it seems like. Yeah, like, if, if, As the recollection gets muddier, you know, I wonder, yeah, that was the series where I played this runner, and <laughs> all the time, and, um, but, you know, this, this past summer, I broke my leg to the point of, right. um, you know, to, to the point where there was... Uh, the, the amputation was tough Fuck! for my surgery. Yeah. Are you kidding? Um, uh, not kidding at all. No, I the the break was so bad, and it was a tibia fibula fracture, and it's also <laughs> it turned my ankle to uh, powder essentially. But so the break the breaks were in multiple areas, and Jesus, it, uh, you know. If a main artery is compromised in that situation, which they can't tell until they go into your leg and open it up, um, a lot of times that can't be remedied. And they would, and, and so I remember when I was going in for the first surgery, one of the last things I remember the doctor saying to me was, yeah. we're going to do everything we can to save your leg. Holy fuck. Uh, to which I responded, please do. Please do. <laughs> I was like, what are you... Uh, We're not doing the take me to the other side reenactment anytime soon, you and me, buddy. You know? No. No. You know, but the the thing is, is that, you know, in that moment, I I was kind of, I was under pain medications and, 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 you know, they were. So how, wait, okay. Can you, can you even. It was pretty, you know, okay, let's save my leg. Can you even talk about, can you even talk about, Jesus Christ, dude. Do you even, how did it happen? I mean, can you even go there? I mean, like. I can now. I can, I can tell, I could talk in great detail about every aspect of the accident. Jesus. Recovery, recuperation, now. But there was a period of a month and a half after the accident where it was full on PTSD, where if anybody wanted to hear how it happened. Oh, my God. All, I was, I was flooded with flashbacks and visuals and sound. Of course. Not even so much pain. But just remembering what the sound of the snapping of the leg was, was, was like, and and, and, and 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 thinking, this is the other major problem with with any kind of accident is you sit there replaying all the different ways it could have been vo- avoided, of right. which there could be hundreds. You know, if I didn't do this the night before, or if I had listened right. to this instinct, or if yeah. I had been more this, or that, you know, which is a really paused five second game to play yeah. with yourself, with your psyche, because an accident is just that, you know, it's something that happens. And yes, <laughs> in retrospect, you can see ways in which it could be avoided. But the truth is, wow, you know, to sit and 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 wish it hadn't happened is really counterproductive. Uh, you know, it's like you can't you can't go back, but. Uh, the way in which it happened was um, I had bought an off-road vehicle like um, beginning of the summer, yeah. thinking it would be a fun sort of hobby for my son and I. Um, and we had taken it out once or twice before, had no issues. And even the day that this accident happened, it wasn't a result of driving. I was outside the vehicle. Um, the, the This, this uh, four-wheel Maverick, it's called a Maverick. It's a Can-Am Maverick. It's like... It's about the size and weight of a Prius, but it's a it's a off road vehicle, right. and it had rolled over. Um, and I'm pretty novice to that sport or to I didn't grow up on dirt bikes. I always wished I had, but you know we didn't have the money or the time or place for that as a kid. And so part of getting into this hobby was, I guess, you know, the lost youth, like wanting to have done those things when I was little, and and, and now wanting to give my son that experience. But what had happened was the car, and they're made to do this, it had rolled over. 
we got got out of the vehicle safely, but there and then I was standing there with my 13 year old son at the time, and I'm like, I, he he and I can't turn this over together and flip it back on its right side, and so I tried to wave down some other dudes in in the uh, off road park, uh, and this guy on a, on a dirt bike comes over, and I'm like, man, can you give me a hand flipping this over? You know, the car rolled and all that, and so he says to me, he's like, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll help you. Yeah. He's like, it's the parking brake on. I go, um, yeah, I think it is. He goes, take it off. And I just listened to the guy, thinking he's got tons of experience. Out yeah. the road park, yeah. I had very little. And so I took the parking brake off, and that was the fatal error. Um, well, one of the errors, because as soon as we flipped it over, we were on a hill. It, we were on a, a pretty severe grade. Uh. And as soon as it flipped over on the four wheels, it starts rolling. I looked down in the direction the car's rolling and I see some onlookers and, you know, like, you know, teenagers or whatever. Oh my God. And so my, at that point, my dad instincts and everything else kick in. And I think I'm an action hero because I'm playing this guy, <laughs> former Marine action guy on TV. Oh my God. And I decide I'm going to jump onto it and try to steer it out of harm's way so that it's not going to roll down the hill and, and hit any of those kids who probably would have gotten out of the way anyway. And yeah. I, it was completely unnecessary gesture and move on my part. <laughs> it's, what my brain, it's what my brain told me to do. As soon as I grabbed onto this thing, to the side door of this vehicle, it was heavy enough and it was already moving fast enough that I was like, I was like a piece of paper. Whoa. It sucked me right under this giant tire oh. in the middle of my shin. And the snap was, you could hear it, you know, 50 yards away. <sighs> and at that point, my leg was just dangling. My son is right there next to me seeing it happen. So I'm trying to hold it together with him. Oh. But immediately, you know, we were in production on the series. It was, it was, um, oh we had, uh, we, were, we were shooting episode nine of 10. Oh my we God. had just started episode nine. And so as soon as the break happened and I knew that it had, oh, that's, fuck. I started feeling immediately guilty for all the people I work with. We'll block, sh uh, we'll block shoot everything. I'll be on my belly the whole time. I'll just be a sniper the whole time. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> that's, gonna, that's a really, that, now that's a forced perspective show. Um, oh my God, dude. But, uh, you know, it, it, was, it was as traumatic a moment, you know, the immediate aftermath of that and, and the questions of what's going to happen to me, what's going to so, happen to the show, what's going to happen to my career, what's going to happen to my leg, am I going to be able to walk again? And thank God for modern medicine because yeah. you even 20 back. years ago, I would have been just a cripple, you know. I would, they would have tried to set my leg back in some fashion and I would have either lost the cane or I would have lost my leg below the knee. And, um, you know, as of a month and a half ago, I was cleared for all physical activity again. So I'm wow. really thankful that I'm able to go back to work next Monday and, and, and you know give this series that I love everything that I have. But it was a pretty scary summer. Jesus, man. I'm glad that... So you can run on it and you're like back to... Does it feel... I mean, does it hurt when it rains? Like, what's the deal with it? it you know, oddly enough, it does. Because they, I have a rod now in my leg uh, from my knee to my ankle, a titanium rod, and I've got a few screws in the ankle area. And, um, you know, shortly after, you know, so this happened, the accident happened in July. Sometime in late August, um, I was starting, early, early September, I was starting to get out a little bit here and there. Like I would go to CVS on crutches or whatever it was. Yeah. And I was in CVS with my son picking up some... I don't know, 
toothpaste or whatever. And this uh, hunched over old woman <laughs> kept looking at me. And I guess I finally noticed that she was looking at the big scar that I now, I now have on my leg. And she ambles <laughs> over to me. Yeah. She ambles over to me and, and locks eyes. And, and she goes, I have one too. Whoa. You're going to know it when it rains. <laughs> and she just blinks off. And I'm, I look at my son. I'm like, what was that? That's like a, a Stephen later, King movie. It was so weird, man. And but a week later, yeah. I'm like, why is this thing like throbbing, or why do I feel? Why am I aware of this rod that I'm not usually aware of? Yeah. And the next day, it does rain because apparently, you know, barometric barometric pressure affects all of our bodies right. when weather changes, when humidity changes. But if you don't have a foreign object inside you, oh. you just kind of like, you know, it's not it's not a big deal, but. Right. Yeah, I can tell when the weather changes. In fact, today it's raining in L.A. Yesterday, my leg was a lot more sore. Today, it feels like I was never in an accident. It's it's very odd. Like wow. The different day-to-day aspects of, of the healing and getting used to um, having these objects inside me. Now, what I, what I did find liberating is that I can, I can officially say that I'm not 100% human anymore. Yeah. Which is kind of, You're it's s- kind of a relief. In light of what's going on in the world, <laughs> like, yeah. it's nice to, you know, to mentally separate myself. Like, I'm not 100% human. You are, you are cyborg? You are, you are more than? You are homo sanctus? Like, what are you getting at here? I, well, I, you know, I, uh, there's part of, I, part of me is made up of titanium now. And, like, um, like Wolverine that's not or something. Case for everybody. You know what? You man? gotta look for a silver lining, you know? <laughs> Did you see... Did you see the recent uh, Last Jedi movie? Yes, in Italian. What? I was I, I was in it in Milan um, when it came out, and I really wanted to see it. Right. And I I know the Star Wars universe well enough that I was pretty confident. Also, I have one of those ears where I don't speak a ton of other languages, but right. if I'm around them enough, I can start to kind of pick up enough. No um, subtitles. No subtitles, oh, no. Wow. But so uh, Deacon and I are going to go see it in English. Probably we were going to go this weekend, but we didn't make it. But I, I have seen the Last Jedi in Italian. <laughs> have you seen it in four D? No. You should see. Have you seen anything in four D? I have not. No. Can you tell me what that's like? Okay, so four D. This is the damn folk before the experience, uh, by the way, and that is our sponsor, uh, if you didn't know. And uh, so a 4D movie is uh, basically the seat moves with the action. You get wind, you get water if you want, you can turn the water off, you can get this fucking smoke that comes out of the fuck. There's, it, it, there's flashing lights. You basically, you feel like you're in, you're in the car chase, you feel like you're in the Millennium Falcon, in the cockpit. You know, you feel the G forces of the of the dog fight. If you're into that, kind and it's, of. it's that effective, it makes that much of an impression. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You go in there, you take a little smidgey of a Scooby snack, and you fucking go uh. inside there. And I like to sit like nice and close, so it just fills the periphery. And you want to be immersed. Yes, I turn off the water because I don't need the Degobah squishiness. But <laughs> I do like to get up close and, and just there's but the child in me just like sings huge tears running down, big Cheshire cat smile, with you know, like being like chewy in the fucking 
Millennium Falcon with like you feel like you're with Chewie in the Millennium Falcon in the red salt planet. You're just like, oh my good lord, thank you. You know, if you like that kind of experience. How has how can you still be so uncynical or like you know how have you retained the childlike enthusiasm for those experiences or for movies in general? I feel like I've lost a lot of that. I feel like wow. that this this industry has has kind of snuffed it out of me to some extent. Wow! And I'm always admiring those who are able to hang on to. When that. did you lose that, man? I think it was gradual. Um, I know I don't feel like it's lost altogether. Yeah. I feel like it's definitely diminished. It's definitely. Um, well, I mean, this is all the stuff that that I used to love. You know that that I grew up on. You know that we all grew up on. Even the Marvel stuff and the DC stuff, and you know, these are all toys that I played with. You know, and then to see legacy characters, like they call them, uh, legacy characters like Luke with Yoda and R two, and and you know, it just fucking it, it manipulates your little little child soul, definitely. Um, um, Yoda um, in Italian, not nearly as, as enjoyable. <laughs> and in fact, I feel like I feel like whoever they hired to do the voiceover for Yoda really didn't try to do the, the Frank Oz at all. Like, yeah, andiamo, you know, andiamo, eh, prego, prego. Yeah, like, it sounded like an Italian dude. <laughs> like, and, it was, and that kind of took me out of it a little bit. But, but they, they did a good job of keeping that surprise under wraps. Like, I had heard about the Luke thing before. I saw it, um, but I didn't hear about Yoda popping up, and then all of a sudden yeah. there he was. Speaking of, and Luke, I also like the fact that they went back to a puppet for him. Yes, they, of the CG, the CG Yoda was kind of whack. Oh yeah, the young, young, sleek, flipping CG Yoda was was weird. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it was a cartoon. Right? Yeah, yeah, it was very strange. Uh, but and they definitely. They went back to the mold. I heard the specific mold for the puppet to make to create the CGI image. So they were definitely. They like, went to the original mold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Isn't that funky? So check this out. So I'm watching this and I'm like, fucking okay. The reason I'm so excited is because I always, I know you all want to be in one of these things. Like, like there's we, there's a shot, man, because they're just gonna reverse and re, reverse engineer all oh, this yeah. shit, prequels and sneakles and snackles. So fucking. So they got the solo coming out, right? And uh, immediately I'm just like, they gotta do it. okay. So they gotta do the, you know, the, the the Luke's journey. They gotta do that. And I immediately thought of you, man, with your titanium, really? with your titanium knee, sir. And <laughs> let me, like, like people don't. I don't people like with your military training and the way that you're you're like an Aikido. People don't know you're an Aikido champion. Like you're an Aikido champion, right? Uh, taekwondo. I studied Aikido as well, but Taekwondo is was the sport that I I competed in most. And you I, excelled. Aikido, in... I took classes, but yeah, I, I I won tournaments in Taekwondo when I was a teenager, and I used to teach. I used to teach kids when I was a kid myself. So you're already like in like mentally the fucking character. So now, so check this out. Like I I want to do a I'm, I'm putting out a petition that you play the Luke man because. I think that would be fucking perfect casting. I don't know. Uh, you... And also, what would be interesting about that, too, is 
so you're are you talking about like the lost years, like the years yeah. between Jedi running and, around in the fuck? Yes, awake? exactly, exactly. The lost. Yeah, years. because obviously I couldn't do the whiny Tatooine Luke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why is there? Why is my milk blue? No, whatever. I'm talking about fucking battle. <laughs> why is my uncle Owen? No, I'm talking about. I'm talking about like battle hardened. You know, he's it's after Jedi and the and like all the like all the time before. The years before, I mean, there's so much storytelling. It could be right after. Yeah, and, and, and that's something that they don't ever, they don't address really in either of the, the, these two uh, recent films, where what he's been doing, right? Right. All I know is I mean, that there, I, think, is, I, I, mean, I, I, I saw it in, in Italian. So, in the conversations that Ray has with Luke, does that ever come up? Like, where the fuck where have you been? been? No. I mean, it yeah. talks about maybe ten years ago, like, like when he. <laughs> it talks about when uh, maybe ten or fifteen years ago when he fucked up um, with Ben and Ben went nuts and went off to be Kylo and then, but they don't talk about anything that happened before that. They don't talk about anything that happens after Return of the Jedi. Like I, I want that's interesting. Yeah, so that's what they're doing. And with... it, it is cool though because you like as you said they're they're gonna I mean now that Disney owns Star Wars oh, it's yeah, gonna dude. be. An annual event until we die. There will be probably a Star Wars movie at least one a year. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it ain't, which it, I have no problem with. As yeah, long me as neither. Well done, you know. Fuck no, I'll be a porg in one of the movies. I'll just fucking let me tell you something. <laughs> just a screaming porg. You had it in Italian. It was like the, the little chicken gerbils that were on. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. The, the puffins. <laughs> the puffins. So, so I think that and and because when we were on Secrets and Lies, there was a moment there. You know, we we did a lot of joking, whatever, and and we had these long dramatic scenes together, and, and we had a lot of fun. But I didn't know the extent of your your uh, like chi <laughs> until I think we were at the we were at the celebration party afterward, and we were doing like a you were just, you did like a like a dosey do with me, and you nearly like yeah. threw me across the room. I don't even know if you remember this. <laughs> you, you you like, and I was like, oh my god, the guy is like just used the force on me. You know, like that's what it felt like. I do remember th- there was one scene where I had, I mean, you know, and uh, there was a couple, quite a few scenes in that show where I had to be really unhinged and really angry. Right. And I do remember one day in specific where after I got done doing some kind of rant or I had to scream at somebody, you were like, whoa, dude. <laughs> I did not know you had that that resided in you. Like, I remember you being uh, surprised by by the yeah because level that I reached. Well, you're so you play such like a you know everything is bubbling under the surface, you know. Mm. So it's 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 awesome when that comes out, you know. I had I had a blast working with you, and um, so you know I I my first movie with you was my first introduction to you was The Way of the Gun, which is, like, probably the coolest fucking introduction, you know, anyone yeah. could have. Like, I, I, I wish that was the way everyone got to know me was that movie. <laughs> yeah. Wow, yeah. I, 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 I just thought, these guys are fucking precision. Silence. Like, these guys are, they, they became assassins for this thing, you know? Um, yeah. I remember, uh, like, what was that? And that's the first time you work with, with the Benicio, Benicio and Juliet, right? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, that was the first time I worked with with Juliet. Yeah. The other thing that was was really memorable about Way of the Gun is 
was Chris McQuarrie's dedication to it. So, you know, he had written he had written his usual suspect at that point and won the Oscar and stuff, but this was his first movie as a director and um he was hyper focused. He just is as an individual uh, regardless, but um Chris's brother was a former Navy SEAL and um that's right. who trained Benicio and I for that for that movie and it was I mean, Chris was such a stickler to the authenticity of the gunplay to the authenticity of, of the ways in which we, we worked in, in tandem and cleared rooms and all those sorts of things. And that was actually a really valuable experience for me to have relatively early in my career because I've gone on to do quite a few military things. And uh, <coughs> the feedback you get from that community when you're not on point is, is embarrassing and horrifying and, and you know, and so now on on Shooter, where I played a, a former Marine, and we're always kind of dealing with tactical stuff and military stuff, we really make it a point of focus, like, a, you know, one of the primary points of focus on getting that stuff right. And, and, and when you do do it right, it's so appreciated by the men and women who have trained that way. And also to show, it shows the, the audience that you care. It show, you know, we do a, a training session out in Utah with this uh, former Force Recon Marine, Every before we start every season, we go out out to Utah. We do some moving and shooting with live live rounds, and um, just sort of like as a tune up and to get your mind right, and to and to remember that you know even though what we're doing is fake, what we do for a living, you know the real if it, right. if it were placed in the context of reality, just how dangerous it is, just how uh, sharp you need to be in, in certain situations, and when you're handling weapons, whether there's blanks in them or, or real bullets. You've got to treat it the same way. It's still a, a killing machine, you know, that's in your hands, and you've got other people around you that you've got to protect and, and, and make sure to stay safe. And But, uh, yeah, Chris really instilled, Chris McCory really instilled that in me on Way of the Gun of just how important it was. And then a couple of years after Way of the Gun came out, and it didn't do very well at the box office, but it developed a massive cult following, like amongst, you know, Law enforcement, military, ex-military, rappers, athletes. I mean, everywhere I would go, a lot of guys would say that's their favorite movie. And to the point where huh. technical advisors in the industry started using Way of the Gun to teach other actors how to move uh, wow. properly with weapons. Holy shit. Yeah, that's something that makes you feel really proud when you get Fuck you yeah. get word from other sets that they made you know they made us watch Way of the Gun so we knew how to move <laughs> a weapon in our hands. You know, that's that's a cool thing. I want you to know that if the shithouse goes up in flames and there's zombies walking around and I'm taking my family to your house, it, I just want you to know. I mean, if you're cool with that, I don't know if you're cool. I, with I that. am. I, I would. Have, I would love to protect you. Thanks, pal. I. Uh, but it is. It is funny that you get. You kind of. You do start to learn this stuff. I mean, yeah. repetition is going to have that effect no matter what it is we're doing. But like. I'm at the point now where I can hit a target at almost a mile with a sniper rifle, which Whoa. is really. You know, there's not a ton of people in the world that can do that, but I've been trained by some great Marines. And um, and I didn't grow up like a gun guy. I never grew up hunting or shooting, was never into that stuff, but I've gotten really into the tactical. They should military. reboot uh, They should reboot but, Lethal Weapon. Yeah, that would, yeah, that would be cool. That would be cool. I don't know anybody who can make that shot at that range, Raj. <laughs> I know maybe two or three people. I don't even know if that's the right line. You know, I can't watch those movies anymore. It's upsetting me. I, used, I love those Why? movies. Why? Because I'm Jewish. 
I'm a Jew. I'm a Jewish boy from Brooklyn. Even though, you know, whatever. <laughs> the last time I even like associated with that was like when I was bar mitzvah at thirteen. But uh, you know, I just feel I don't know. I love him, and he broke my heart. He broke my heart. No, it's true. No, it's true. I, I, I mean, I, I can completely understand that. I don't, I don't feel like I've watched or supported <laughs> any of his work since then either. Um, he who shall yeah. about not be named. <laughs> and man, you know, it's it's been you know, and obviously we aren't. We're not gonna. Neither of us want to go down this road, but it, the last couple of years has been like you know seeing your heroes fall, yeah, seeing people that you looked Oof. up to and admired and yeah. you know and, and i guess it, it's like Oof. we play, we place place a lot of expectations on people that are important to it's us a, and we kind of put them in a category that oh, isn't yeah. human sometimes and that oh, isn't yeah. flawed or we don't want them to be flawed or we ourselves don't want to be as flawed as we are and they're just and, we're just saturated in media you, you can't have a secret you know you can't be, uh, you know, Bogey and Bacall anymore. You know, and you, can't, you can't have a movie star anymore because no, every, but you know about everyone's can. pimples and you know all their scars, man. And maybe ultimately, somehow or some way, that's a healthier. I don't know. Because uh, <coughs> we think about everything, everything that's changed. We think about in the context of our kids, right? You know, like when I I, I look at this presidency and I think about like even. Even though growing up, I, I heard you know adults complaining about this president or that president, Republican or Democrat, whoever they were, you know. But there was still like a respect for the office. There was still like something to aspire to. <laughs> yeah. this, this man stands out among, among all the others, and, yeah. you know. And I, I just sure does. I feel like we live in such a cartoonish world now, yeah. where everybody is like everything it's a TV is show. almost a joke, and 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 everyone, everything that we used to believe is is is, is kind of you know, showing itself for what it really is. And I just wonder, you know, with all the stuff that our kids take in from that and, and yeah. what they just hear in an ambient sense from the news or adult conversations about all of these people who are just fucking letdowns. <laughs> like, let's just, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. very, it's really strange. It's, it's, well, they're getting a healthy dosage of 21st century just fucking mass hypnosis pouring at them at all, at all angles. So they're like, you know, they're getting eased right into the insanity. Well, I think, you know, and then maybe at some point when the dust settles, that means that everything is evaluated slightly differently or in a, or in a more um, fair or in a more... Uh, yeah, you hope you that know, balance comes to the fucking force where someone rises up and it's like, listen, we need some goddamn reality. Did you see the Golden right, Globes? Right, Did you watch the Golden Globes, man? Um, Like, kind of off and on. Um, it's hard. And that, that, that kind of kind of goes back to somewhat <laughs> what I was saying earlier about how you've managed to retain... Your enthusiasm <laughs> for certain things in this industry, yeah. and and you know that was one of the reasons why I was so excited to see you get Fantastic Beasts because I knew that you know sci-fi and that world and your love of of, of of movies in general would put you right in the heart of something that is like you know so you in a lot of ways and so exciting and such a big deal, um, you know. And I and I think back to the first time I went to the Oscars and recent I presented and. 
I was so excited. I finally got to go to the Oscars, and everywhere I looked, my mouth was open. I can't believe that person. And, oh, the red carpet, and listen to all those fans <laughs> scream. Dude, now that is my greatest nightmare. <laughs> like, right. that now the last thing in the world I want to do is get dressed up in a suit and go sit at an award show. And it's just weird how, you know, those evolutions happen to you, and these transitions come, and it's not a matter of, like, and I don't sit in judgment of the people who still partake and enjoy it and whatever. It's just the fiber of who I am no longer absorbs or wants to absorb that, you know. It's 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 an odd thing. And, like, and so now I'll watch these shows. If I have a friend, like, let's say you were nominated or something, I'd be fucking, I'd be glued to it, waiting to see. If somebody I care about has a project or is up for an award, and it and it matters to them or their career or their family. I got. I thought I got. Thank, I thought I got thanked for a second, and someone was just like, uh, "And thank you, Dan Fogelman, for writing this." And I was just like, "Did he just say my name? Hold on, hold on. Was it? Did he just thank me?" <laughs> but I, um, yeah, I get that. Yeah, shit all so the I, I I watched a little, and then I, I was kind of being a dad too, and and making dinner and stuff like that, but. And I didn't go out to any of the parties. And that's the other thing. I used to be social. I don't know what's happening to me, Dan. I feel like Yoda myself. I feel like I'm just going to end up in a little hovel somewhere. Just drinking blue milk. (laughs) Speaking Italian and drinking blue milk. In my old age, I'm just becoming recluse. I feel like I'm going to turn into a weirdo, like a reclusive weirdo. Like a Howard Hughes? I don't know, not even that cool because I'm like a, <laughs> I don't I don't have an OCD hang up. I'm not gonna need people in uniform to serve me with clean hands. I just I don't know. It's I have so many social <coughs> issues that I didn't I didn't have when I was young. Where the where the hell are they coming from? I I thought that you think it, it should get easier. Those situations should get easier as you get older and you're more. I've been through everything. No. I don't. Same pressure, but just gets weirder. Worse. It's weirder. Yeah, yeah. Did you? Did you, you watch? Yeah, I watched the goddamn fucking Golden Globes. I thought there were moments that were quite amazing. Um. Yeah, yeah. Your girl Reese with the Oprah and Oprah just being like, just like, holy shit, let's have Oprah for president. You know. I know that's what everybody <laughs> says. You know? Yeah, like I think she's angling for it. I, I would love to see that. I, yeah, and then now, yeah, there was like some drips coming out this morning saying that it was her sort of you Whoa. Know, insider's day. It was her throwing her hat in the ring. Holy and, shit! Well, she's got a good. Choice. You know, she's got, it's, she's got it's a, a cool idea, I guess. It's just, I, I, you know, listen. And, and, and Reagan was president. It's just celebrities in office. I don't know. At this point, fucking Cookie Monster. Let's get Cookie Monster in there. I don't fucking care. (laughs) Anybody. But Oprah is amazing. I mean, she can at least least inspire a crowd and you can feel like, yes, we can send her across the border. We can send her to other countries and people will actually like her and listen to her. And we will look nice. We will look like normal people. We will look like actually very enlightened people if we did that. That's all I really care yeah, about. It's true. It's um, true. But uh, so you know, and and that and, and that goes back to it's all <laughs> you know. That's another thing is that I used to be so into world affairs and politics and 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 you know would watch if I had free time during the day between meetings or or whatever I was doing with the kids I would turn on CNN or one of the news channels 
I avoid that stuff like the plague now. It's just like the negativity of it all and, and the recycled nature of it all and, and yeah. just the sameness, you know, the, 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 the level, the tone or whatever, depending on whichever side. It's just – and I wonder too, like, you know, if you ever – like if you are a conspiracy theorist in any yes. regard, like yes. if some of that's purposeful, like if, 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 there, if there's this, this thing at play that's like wanting us to be so turned off from paying attention – so that all this other stuff, net neutrality, everything else can happen oh, yeah. because we're all like, I don't want to read exactly. news anymore. You're I don't want to watch news anymore. Apathy. And so then what can happen to the rest of the world in, in your, when, when no one's watching? Then it's 1984. They give you a little screen. They pump you up with all the good drugs. And they, you just fucking sit there and watch the whole world fall down. That's, well, you don't, you don't even watch it. You watch it peripherally. You don't, even know, you don't even see it happening. You get all your rights taken away. And that's it. That's what my that's what Brooklyn Gladiators about. I mean, that's my that's my comic book that I've been writing that you're actually yeah. going to make a appearance in on the astral plane. Now, um, I uh, here's the thing. I'm not even kidding about that. Um, I think that I think that we're, we're that's what we're being set up for, man. I think that um, World War Three is being the belly of it of that monster is being tickled. By the weird toupee of Trump every fucking second. And, um... You there? Yeah, no, I'm listening, it's, listening to you. It's freaky. Uh, and I think that... It's a TV show. It's He's there... To... Um... Be the weirdest, wackiest, sci-fi fucking reality show... Ever. Uh, for us to be distracted. While... You know, all sorts of uh, stuff is going on, uh, going on behind closed doors. And uh, you're right. I think that, you know, a couple of years from now, I wouldn't be surprised if, if all of our rights are taken away and we didn't even realize it was happening. Um, yeah, it's like it's like when you click I agree on the iTunes every time it, it updates, <laughs> yeah. you know. Nobody's reading the fine print. Nobody wants to be right. bothered with, exactly. the, with the minutia, you know, and they just kind of are tuning everything out that doesn't appeal to them. And it's like, you know, we sit there, like, with our faces, you know, cast toward a, a tiny screen flipping through pictures of what people claim they're up to. And <laughs> I, it's just all so odd now, man. And, and like, I, I've been prone to Instagram addiction to some extent, you know, in, in years past. Oh, and now yeah. I'm finding... I'm finding that doesn't hold my interest. <coughs> I don't care anymore. I don't really care about cultivating... Uh, a larger following. I don't really care about the pictures of the hot girls like I used to. I just, it, it's like I'm, I'm feeling like, and and maybe those are the beginnings of something good somewhere where people start putting down, you know, the phones a little bit more and and not caring so much about, you know, strangers' perceptions of them or the kind of day they're having. You know, it's like. Yeah. I, I just, I, I find, and I, and then it's like, then when you hear yourself talk, it's like, am I turning into just an old man? <laughs> like, am I just like, you know? Yeah. Goddamn contraptions. <laughs> I, I am. I'm just like, this. I've been put, I've been putting it on airplane mode every five seconds. I hear it's giving off radiation. It's as bad as smoking, they say. That's what I've been doing. <laughs> I, I don't know yeah, if you know about that. Don't, don't keep it in your pocket. Yeah. Where are you going to keep it? Near you know? your <laughs> I've been keeping it right phone, in. But don't put it in your pocket. Right, exactly. So. And talk to it, but five feet away from your face. You know, it's hysterical because I, I've been keeping it right next to my heart. You know, right in that 
that jacket pocket for like for fucking years. <laughs> I got some mutated. I have a weird mutated heart now. Um, so Your heart's be- gonna start getting free YouTube <laughs> albums. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like a. I just start getting all these receipts for all these weird iTunes things that I'm buying, and it's saying it's from my heart. <laughs> I don't know. And you can't deny it. I can't deny it. It's the same address. No, I, I you know, a couple of, like, it's never made sense to me to have this device that draws in waves of all kinds for all different reasons, sitting yeah. right next to your junk, like right next to your testicles <laughs> and your, your penis. Yeah. And so I, I've taken to putting it in the back pocket thinking the ass has the fat and it's got a little you know there's not uh, baby making going on back there <laughs> and uh, then you start growing but, a tail and it's, uh, but yeah my son brought that up to me he was like dad did you see that new report about how you shouldn't have your cell, your cell phone in your pocket and all this stuff <laughs> yeah but haven't they they've been saying that since cell phones came out really. I know but now they're like really saying it yeah so so, Philippi, right? I mean, I'm saying it right. I've been saying it right all these years. Yeah, you have. Thank yeah. God. Whew. So, the, the rest of the, like, their people have issues with this name, right? Just like Fogler. They're calling me Folger, Folgers, fucking Fogelman, fucking Fogelberg. It's like... Fogler. Yeah, Fogler is, right. that's Fogler. That's my name. But not Fogler, it's Fogler. So um, yeah, I, they uh, mine's been butchered. For, you know, there was a point, probably early in my career, where I maybe should have changed to something a little bit more accessible or whatever, as many of our uh, counterparts have. But yeah, um, I don't know. I guess I always had that pride thing too, of like it's my dad, <laughs> exactly. That, you know, came to this country, whatever. And but I also never really cared or got offended. I think some people do, or they get really. It just never really bothered me if people butchered my last name. And I remember, like, when Ray Fiennes came out first. No one could pronounce his right, name. Right. And it was that was Ennis interesting, though. Was Ralph, Ralph is it? And all this stuff. Yeah. And I, I don't know. Like, I, it, it leaves it, a mark. It's something, that I, it's something that I expect and never really bothered me. You know, I've always gotten, like, Felipe or uh, Philippe, obviously. You know, all those right. sorts of things. No, there's pros and cons. Like, the fact that... People think they already know me because of their, it's in the zeitgeist, and they're just like, "Oh, he he's not a singer, you know, <laughs> you know." Or I am a singer, but I'm not Dan Fogelberg, goddammit. You know, it's like, it's like, uh, it's a similar thing. But did you know what your, did you ever? I, I love names, like my, like, like I always got into, and I love how if people actually fulfill the meaning of their name, like Spielberg is. Uh, Spielberg literally means like fun and play, and Berg means mountain so spiel and berg is is fun mountain he's a mountain of fun you know and that's funny i didn't know that yeah so uh, my name is uh daniel fogler which is um it's like god is daniel is god is my judge <laughs> and then <laughs> uh oh yeah and then my last name is means uh bird catcher so you want to know what yours is what so you you go your name is i looked it up it's matthew ryan Philippi. So, yeah. so Matthew means gift of God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan means little king. Did you know that? I did. Actually, I did know that Ryan meant little king. I didn't know Matthew was gift of God. Do you know but what? Do you know tracks. What did you, what'd you say? I said it tracks. <laughs> Do you know that um, what Philippi means? 
No, but it, Philippi was Philippe. It was okay. French and then Americanized. So whatever Philippe was its origin, like King Louis Philippe. Okay, um, so it means it, it means horse lover. Horse lover? Okay, so check it out. Philippi or Philippe. Mm. Me, Philippos, <laughs> Philippus, which is from the Greek, Philippos, lover of horses. The name is composed of the elements philos, loving, and hippos, horse. Okay. Loving horse. Horse loving. Mm. And, and so I'm a I'm a little king that loves horses. That is ultimately a gift from God. Yes, sir. Yes, I think you are. Wow. Well, I don't, I don't know what to do with any of that. <laughs> no one ever does. No one ever. I, everyone's name yo, is just like Jesus Christ. That's insane. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it makes it makes no sense. And and obviously, no one when they were naming their kids thought about putting all of them no, of course not. together. <laughs> but it just makes me think of. Did you know that um, Will Ferrell and Molly Shannon just hosted the Pasadena Rose Bowl parade, like? in character as these as oh i heard uh, about that and you can watch it on amazon on the replay on amazon but the one of the funniest things and it's hilarious to me like I, I, they did such a great job will ferrell to me is always great and he's playing he's got a bald cap on it doesn't even look like him Stop he's playing it. this really funny character but his character cord <coughs> repeats all over and over again throughout the broadcast oh my god fear of horses he that his number one fear in life is of horses and of course, they're doing the Rose Bowl parade. Oh my God! And so, what do you think? Almost every <laughs> every band that comes down, I every the mounted police come down. Almost every different actor float that comes through has horses. Wow! And he's he decided that his character calling the parade is deathly afraid of horses, and so that just reminded me of that. I, I really that. recommend watching that on Amazon Prime if you have the time to do it. It's funny. I um I now I will, man. That sounds fucking hilarious. Did you get to ever? Were you on SNL with them? With him? Did you get to play with the, them? I know Molly. I, I hung out with Molly, uh, just because my wife was her nanny for a while. But um, I, uh, you were on SNL, right, for a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Well, when I hosted, um, they, that was after Will Ferrell was gone, unfortunately. Oh, okay. But I've met him a couple times through the years. I. It, our sons played soccer against each other. Yeah. One year there was a there was a season that I was one of the coaches of the soccer team, and so was he on his kids' school team. And so uh, Magnus Deacon was was playing against Magnus Farrell. Um, <laughs> you know that it was a classic matchup <laughs> versus Magnus Farrell. Yeah. Um, no, and it, but I, I've just always been. You know, I love silly comedy. I think because I'm kind of. A, a darker guy by nature and I've dealt with a lot of sadness and depression throughout my life. But I love I love when the brand of comedy that is like pure silliness or, or when you can tell that someone is 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 working without a filter, without an edit, the way that um a lot of people from SNL have, but Will Farrell stands out to me in that regard and also Will Forte is another one. Uh Kristen Wig. When I got to do McGruber with the two of them yeah. dude, I mean I you know I've never laughed so hard in my life as I did going to work every day on that show, on that movie. And one of the main reasons was when when they would go off script, you had <laughs> no idea what they were going to say. And these are two of the most fearless comedic actors in Will and Kristen. Uh, and so some of the stuff that, that didn't make it into the movie was just like, 
he would fall to the floor laughing, you know. And 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 there's something about Will Ferrell's brand of comedy where there is that silliness to it. There's an intelligence to some of it, yes, but like the silliness of even like last night, Talladega Nights was on one of right. the stations after the. Well, you can't Wolf beat him in Elf, man. I mean, he's just like perfect. In Elf, it. he's a, he's amazing yeah. in Elf and Anchorman, which I probably oh, know every word to. It's it's he he really is one of my favorites. So when he does something like that, I'm I'm commits. He he commits. I uh you gave I I am forever in your debt because you gave me one of the most amazing surreal ridiculous experiences that I've ever had in my life and that was you basically sneaking me into the SNL 40 anniversary party okay yeah so during you were my date let's I was call it date. what it was okay so yeah we didn't sneak you in you were my plus one you were my date. Oh well, let's okay, fine. Let's get, get that rumor going. That should be interesting. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, so we're doing secrets and lies, and on secrets and lies, you're just like, you know, you 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 were like, you know, I got this fucking plus one to go to, to um the SNL party. I was just like, I was holy shit, and you were just like, I know how much you like it. You're gonna be my fucking date. So I was just like, yeah. But we get there, and and there's a girl there who's taking, who's giving everyone the wristbands, and she's just like. Um, no, you're mistaken. Nobody has a plus one, right? So then here comes... Oh, right. So Ryan just, like, gives her the look. And he's just all, yeah, but come on. And she's just all, okay. And looks at me and she's just all, I guess you're famous enough. And she puts the fucking band on me and she gives me the band for the backstage. She's like, let's think of it. So here's... So that could have been the most amazing thing that ever could have happened because... Fuck sitting in the. I mean, I've the closest I've come to being in the studio is like on the studio tour, you know, when I was a kid. But also, wa- watching from the back doors of the studio, uh, watching um, as people are coming at the back of the house was one of the most magical experiences I've ever had, uh, ever. Just watching. Michael Douglas and Zeta Jones and fucking like royalty fucking walking walking out and fucking uh, everybody was there. It was it was uh, like Paul McCartney. It was you know I was you know I, <laughs> shit got crazy. I mean Dan Aykroyd and Dana Carvey, okay. and Eddie Murphy, everyone, and everybody across every. It was it was insane and and to be able to be backstage and to see them in the dressing rooms. And to be walking, it would be walking down, you know, the the back alley with way there, and waiting for everyone to go on, and um, and seeing the the reality of of what SN, what what makes SNL the 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 blood and guts of it, you know, and seeing Daryl Hammond backstage just like practicing his his impression in full makeup, and then just like, you know, grabbing a grabbing some. A, a coke, you know, and just like drinking, you know, and just like talking to I mean, and and shooting the shit, and then looking into the fucking, and then looking into the the makeup room and seeing Mike Myers and and uh, Dana Carvey, and just being able to go to them. I'm not worthy. I'm like fucking. I I'm like, I got to do that to them, and they were just like, yeah, they were, it was fucking crazy, man. To see, I remember you got a lot of love that night. Oh my you know, god! There was a lot of people who were who were fans of your work <laughs> that I remember seeing you uh, surprised and bemused in the most wonderful way that they knew who you were. But you got a lot of uh, a lot of good feedback that night. I, I had the most amazing 
experience with Jim Carrey. I know he's getting, he, he's in a very spiritual realm right now uh, in his life, which is fantastic. Um, I think people have a lot to learn from him, actually. But uh, at this party, for me, it was like, you ever see that Bugs Bunny episode where he goes into the Copacabana and like, and everybody at every table is a star? You know, you, mm-hmm. you, you know, even the, the guy that I'm with, it's a star. You know, everybody that I'm fucking, the guy next to me that brought me in is a star. This person, like the, the person that just handed me the thing is a star. And the person that's entertaining <laughs> us, it's a star. Like it was fucking crazy. It was, it was, I felt like it was in a cartoon. And uh, you said it. So uh, it was amazing to see Jim Carrey after just like, I, 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 I was on, I was buzzing. So, you know, we'll, I'll, we'll get yeah. into like the, the most, I'll get into the most surreal moment in a minute, but one of the most, the first surreal moment was him walking up to me and out of the blue, I mean, the guy's like 20 feet tall and I'm, I'm walking down the stairs and he just like, basically, he didn't have to, he fucking, you know, he, but he sees me and he puts his hands on my shoulders and he, he puts me into a corner, right? I'm just like, oh God, what the fuck is going to happen? <laughs> and he's just like, you, I saw, I saw Sam Kinison. Uh, screen test that that's out there on the internet and you have to play sam i knew him you 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 have to and uh so i just hearing that from him i was just like man we'll see what happens and now that it's it's back into my it's back in my court now we're actually doing that where i'm actually gonna do it that is that's gonna happen yeah yeah and uh but this was this at that party it was fucking you know, whatever years, a couple of years ago, he said you have to do that, and, and him him saying that to me was such a huge validation. I was like, I got to make this happen. So that happened, and then I'm walking around, and we're dressed like you and I are dressed like basically, you know, in our black suits. And who do I look like? I look like a fucking blues brother, right? So I fucking turn, mm-hmm. I turn around, and who walks up to me? Judy Belushi. And she's looking at me, and I'm looking at her, and it was it was this weird, surreal deja vu moment. And she just came up to me. I just I didn't I I I'd only spoken to her on the phone before, so she mm-hmm. probably knew who I was. But I just knew I was supposed to hug this lady, so I just went up to her and I hugged her, and she was and and we had this crazy moment. And that's another fucking movie that ha- that the Belushi movie that's being another. Um, biopic that that could be out there happening that i'm, tr- I'm God, I, I, I i hope both of those happen man and so, i do remember those moments i remember you relaying those moments to me and how affected you were and uh did you do the sequel yet to fantastic beast yeah i just finished it we just i just you you should host snl dude i'm to support <laughs> that you should have your people you need to host that show you would be fantastic on it man. i know i mean i, I fucking can you put the word in for me man I'd love to. I, come I, in, I, I'd I love can, to like fucking. My word is very door. small compared to some <laughs> others, but I could definitely put the word in. But like, yeah. they should push you to do that when when the sequel's coming out. Oh, they should I know. push your name. I know. I'm, I'm going that. to. I, I I want to so badly since I'm a kid. I want to, and then to be at the after party with you chilling there, where I'm smoking <laughs> a joint that I rolled, passing it around, and and you know. I'm not going to say who was smoking it, but everybody was smoking this amazing joint. Right. And we're fucking right. sitting there, you know, with, you know, and, and all my here, let me tell you who didn't smoke the joint. John Bon Jovi. I did not expect him. I did not expect that. I expected him to be all up on that shit. 
But no, I think I think he's 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 uh, cutting back. Like he's got he already got to the place that we're getting to. <laughs> yeah, probably. back in like 1989. That's where he got it <laughs> on stage. <laughs> In his uh, acid wash jeans, but I would—he was such a fucking huge. I was such a huge fan of his album, and I was just like, "Man, come on, slippery when wet, man." That was like my first kiss. You don't want to fuck you, but I got to you know smoke with fucking. I think like I got to smoke with uh, Wayne and Garth. You know, I got to smoke with like <laughs> I got to smoke with. I got to. Uh, I don't know. I'm not gonna say everybody that I smoke with, right. but a lot of my heroes, and that was amazing. And. You know, uh, DiCaprio was there. Like everybody who was anybody was there, and I look up on stage. Yeah, and those those moments you don't forget. And that one felt different. You know, when I was saying that now I'm not as into going to the Golden Globes parties and the Oscar parties. This didn't feel like that. This didn't feel like people putting on. It felt like everyone was excited there to be there for the right reason. Like no one was looking for extra attention. They just wanted to be part of paying homage to this institution. Yeah. That, you know, and that's what it is. And it, and, and SNL, like, you know, all through high school, I, I, I you know, everything yeah. that Dana Carvey and Mike Myers did, I would memorize their sketches. I mean, and you, you felt that enthusiasm from almost everyone there. And then you remember the crazy jam session? That's like, what I'm after? talking about. That was the most surreal moment where I'm passing this joint around. I look up on stage and there's Jimmy Fallon, and he's finishing my favorite Doors song. There's Paul McCartney, who's, like, singing back up for him. Paul Simon comes up on stage. Okay, and then you have Bill Murray in the corner, and he's got a fucking, he's got a tambourine, and he's having the time of his life. And everybody on stage is some kind of um, performer. And then Taylor Swift was on stage. Taylor Swift, okay, everybody. Who's, Fred Armisen. And then this crazy moment where, so, there, you know, everybody's, every singer is on stage, and they're singing... Uh, I, I can't remember. They didn't like slew a door songs, and I was just in ecstasy, and um, and uh, suddenly it's just like he's here. He's gonna perform, and we turn around, and fucking standing right next to us is Prince. Fucking yes. Prince, man. Yes. And he goes yep. up. He the the fucking crowd parts, and all five inches of him fucking you know he's been downsized, and he's fucking walking <laughs> up on. He's a fun size, and he comes up on stage. And he just takes over, and I just 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 to see him at the center of all of these legendary like entertainers performing for a crowd of entertainers. Right. It was insane. Performing for Jay Z and Beyonce and Rihanna, <laughs> and and also uh, no one in that room knowing that you know just <coughs> two years later he would no longer be with us. He would no longer yeah. be performing anywhere. Like that's I hadn't thought about that in a while. I I saw Prince a couple times live. uh, Luckily, saw him perform, but that was the last time I saw him anywhere in person. And yeah, I mean, you know, it was only what two years later that he passed away. Insane. Uh, So to have that experience, it was like I I don't know. It it was it was very special, extremely special, man. And I'll always be in your debt. And I, I have to repay you somehow. I don't know how, but. Somehow. We'll find a way. We'll yes. find a way. I'll have to... You put me in one of those cool-ass biopics you're doing. I can play your manager or something. That would be interesting. You could play Sam's older brother. Um, that would be interesting. That would be interesting. Because um, they were both, like, they were from a religious family, right? Yes, they were. Yes, they were. And so the brother kind of stayed that way, didn't he? Or... Yeah, he was very straight-edge, uh, yeah. and Sam was uh, the black sheep. Um. 
but uh, in many, many, in, in, they were like at the opposite ends of the spectrum, you know. It would, it would actually yeah, kind of be perfect. We'll give you a big handlebar mustache. Uh, yeah, baby. <laughs> um, so one thing, one last thing, we got to wrap it up. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, fucking, you're 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 the best. You're you're like you're my brother, and I can't wait to work with you again. But you got to work with uh, Clint Eastwood on Flags of Our Fathers. Yeah. And that, um, I was watching that, and, and you have a scene where you have to, you're a medic, so you're, you're well, I th- yeah, you're, you're putting, you're putting, this is like one of the first scenes in the movie, you're putting a guy back together, and then another guy comes at you, and you have to kill him while putting the other guy back together, mm-hmm. and during that scene, you just, I think the other guy, we, you just see you just see the futility of it on your face, the futility of war, and uh, right, and the insanity of well, I'm saving one guy, but I'm taking another life. <laughs> and exactly. Who gets to who gets to decide the fairness of all of that? Right, and that's a constant, that's a recurring theme that I found in work that I do with veterans and in, and and in military themed projects is like trying right. to make sense of war is is a fool's errand, you know, is folly because there is. No sense to it. And, you know, when we were training for Flags of Our Fathers, um, I worked with a special forces medic for my for my prep and all that sort of thing. And he would tell me stories where he was also a sniper. He was a sniper and a medic. So he would be out laying in a position um, to to shoot and incapacitate a guy. But then his secondary order was get to that guy and keep him alive because we need him for questioning. Fuck. So like. So the idea you gotta you gotta lay in this in this in this sniper's nest for you know one two days until wow. you find your target you get your target wow. you put him down then you gotta get over to him patch him up and keep him alive <gasps> oh, that's because insane. he's worth he's a value target that's you know? insane there's so many uh, aspects of war obviously that's that that's just, an amazing you know, midnight run kind of movie right there like a, with two guys he's got to keep him alive long enough. And he's just their mortal enemies. It's like enemy mine in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, you doing to... that movie though was 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 one of the greatest experiences I've had I in bet. this industry. Um, not only working with Clint, and the movie was produced by Spielberg, who right. was two, you know two of my cinematic heroes. Of but it was the first time I did. I worked with somebody my dad cared about, you know, like my dad, yeah. the fact that I was working with Clint Eastwood oh, finally yeah. registered, like he, he was like, yeah. oh, well, you're not playing the gay kid on the soap opera anymore, you're, <laughs> now, now, you're, now, you're, now you're working with Clint Eastwood. Wow. Um, and then also the fact that I have a rich military history in my family and both my grandfathers fought in World War II. My, my grandfather on my mother's side literally put down Nazis in Berlin, like he won a silver star which is, you know, one of the third highest commendations you can receive. But my grandfather was my hero growing up. And the stories that he would tell me about World War II and being in the foxholes in Germany in the middle of the streets and having to put down Nazis and the way he did it, like, I couldn't get enough of that stuff. And so to have one tiny shred of something connected to, you know, paying tribute to right. what he and his generations were a part of, you know that was bigger to me than 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 any other aspect of it. Yes, I felt in some ways like it was the culmination of what I set out to be of when of when I set out to be an actor to be in a, a a big war film directed by Eastwood and produced by Spielberg. But ultimately, the thing that I think about most was the fact that on film I got to pay tribute to 
my grandfathers and to the greatest generation, you know, by telling this true story about World War II. And, and that was some, that's something that, that I'll, I'll always cherish, no matter how cynical I get. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of have the same thing going on with, with um, Fantastic Beasts in, a, in the, well, it is going to, it's leading toward World War II, but I, the, the character I'm playing, I feel like, is incredibly close to my ancestors. So I, I feel like uh, it's very fulfilling. So let me ask you something about, let me say, ask you something about Clint Eastwood. He only does um, like one or two takes, right? Yeah. How the yeah, fuck? 80%, 80% of Flags of Our Fathers, the final product is the first take of whichever scene you're watching. You're insane. That's insane. It is insane, but you know, How did you feel a, about a guy who has a background in theater should be able to relate or understand that. I think it's very difficult for, for film actors, people who have only done film, to adjust or adapt to that way of shooting. But I do imagine I don't have an extensive theater background whatsoever, but it is sort of like that one performance, one shot huh. type deal. Is there, like is there a lot of rehearsal? Be... None. No, so that's he not... expects. In fact, he expects you to do pretty All much your own research and and, wow. and preparation. And there aren't any rehearsals, and he doesn't do a read through. I got and my own job. I got my own shit. I gotta do. Punk. <laughs> you're just meant to bring it, man, and you're not meant to question the process, you know. And I think part of what we do as actors is we modify whatever our approach is to to suit the film, to suit the filmmaker, how they work. And that was kind of the, you know, the ethos that I took on um, when I got the job with Clint. It was like, you know, I've heard this is how he works, and yeah. I'm going to be ready to work the way he does, you know? Yeah, of course. Yeah, you got to roll with it. You got to, you got to, he's the captain, and you want to, you want to make sure that the ship is steered correctly, and you got to help him out. Yeah, See? because, and, there, and, yeah. and when you work with Clint, you hear plenty of stories from the crew, you know, most of which have been with him for decades, where, on the odd movie here or there, an actor will ask for another take, and he'll say something like, "All right, you go ahead and stay here and do it. I'm going back to my trailer." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't want any of those insults. I didn't want right, Eastwood right. to say anything like that to me. You know, like, yeah. "All right, you you stay here and do another take." <laughs> oh, okay. I've got 500 years like of the business. You don't trust my eye. Yeah, Jesus, you gotta fucking, you, you gotta you gotta just trust what he. Thinking. Yeah, yeah, you do, and you have to make sure that you're prepared, and 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 also uh, he likes the vitality of that first take, the the unrehearsed nature of it, and actors right. not preening or playing to a lens or not exactly, you know, it's like the more times sometimes we do something, right. we start trying to fill it with a little bit more here or there, and that's artifice in a lot of ways. I think is the way he sees it. You know, the longer an actor gets to do a take or gets to do a a, uh, a particular scene, they're going to start trying to find the ways that they can add a little flair or flash to it. Right. And I think he likes the opposite. I think he likes, you know, even there were scenes where you're doing a walk and talk and a guy trips on something. That's the take that's in the right. movie. He's right. Like, because in Clint's mind, that's in real life. We that's trip real. on stuff. That's real. You know, and, and it's like, I remember we were doing scenes and an airplane would fly overhead and, you know, we're conditioned <laughs> on TV and movie sets <laughs> yeah. to you know, to, to, to cut or Pause. to go again. Yeah. And, he, you know, and Clint's response would be, well, you're never talking in real life when an airplane flies over. <laughs> and, and it's true. 
life isn't clean. It is imperfect. We we fuck up all the time. We stutter. We 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 say the wrong thing. You yeah, know? exactly. And I think that's part of what he loves about human nature. And, yeah. And, and capturing behavior. You know. And also, my sciatic is acting up. So let's get out of here. Yeah, he's fucking. Uh, he's he's intense, man. I, 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 how old is he now? He's like nine hundred or something. I, I think at least, <laughs> at least he's Yoda age. I think he just had his nine hundredth birthday. <laughs> yes, he celebrated it with one take. Just I, I saw him a couple weeks ago at Craig's in L.A. He was it was his youngest daughter's birthday, and he was sitting at the table with all of his kids, which is kind of a beautiful thing to see. I mean, they range from ages of fifty down to twenty or whatever. But what? Um, how old? Are, how many does he have? Fifteen. I think he's got like seven with some, with quite a few different ladies and uh, different uh, different eras, <laughs> different <God>. decades. <laughs> but it was nice to see him and and with all of his kids and to that. see that you know you can you can retain a semblance of family in this industry after a long time and still have you know uh, some kind of a closeness. I don't think he remembered who I was, but that's <laughs> fine. I'm not one of his kids, but um, it's good to see him. Oh man, let me ask you something. So, so as an interviewer, how did I compare to Howard Stern? There are some similarities, I would think. Um, I would think <laughs> yeah. you know it's also different. Well, the 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 thing that's not fair about that is that you've you been and on... I have a personal history. We, you know, you've been I on his show like quite a, a bit, right? I've been on Stern, yeah, I've been on Stern probably four times in studio or something, and, and I feel pretty comfortable with him at this point, but you still, like, you're very much aware, especially if you're a fan of his, of if there's any lulls in the conversation, you know, uh, you want to please the audience. <laughs> yeah. I know the Stern audience so well that there's, I think that's sort of always in the back of your head. Um, but the other thing what I was going to say about you and about us is that, you know, I've I've gotten along with... You know, pretty much every person I've ever worked with, I'm, I'm never an issue on set, and I'm a, I'm a pretty cool guy and stuff. But you know, the the level to which I felt bonded to you after our experience and 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 even and since then is like it's different. Like I don't have I have a, you know a few actor friends, but but I really felt like you know that we were brothers in arms in, in some way after that experience. And so sitting here doing this with you now feels like catching up with a homie. Whereas you know there's right. a little bit more pressure, and your little your 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 spidey sense is tingling. You know you're you're on edge or, or heightened um, in the stern situation just because you know the <laughs> amount of people it's going out to, and that they're all waiting to kind of pick your ass apart, right? Yeah. It's like I feel safer and more comfortable talking to you in this capacity. Right. Um, yeah. I, I, anybody who listens to this is going to be somebody who likes both of us. So hopefully. Uh, oh, of course. You got your, you, yes. It's a, we're preaching at a converted ear. Everybody likes us. <laughs> um, the, uh, yeah, man, it, it has been an absolute pleasure to have met you and then to work on that show. And, uh, we, you know, I, I got, I'm not, I've, I've been out in the UK for six months, but I, I, we got to hang out more and, and I yeah, can't, we do. and I want to, um, you know, because we got a lot of mutual buddies, you, 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 we didn't even talk about the whole Seth Green connection and 
and how you, you guys were hanging out and uh, at the beginning of all your careers, and then, you know, everyone went off and did their own thing. I mean, that's a whole other, you know, uh, like a like a real-life movie in itself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the story yeah of in you a guys. lot of ways. Yeah, man. Um, but uh, there's, there's a lot of six degrees of separation. And, and but, I want to work with you again. I mean, we had such chemistry. It's like that's, that is something that's not so easy to manufacture or to come by in every no. work experience, you know. And um, ABC certainly responded to that to the point where – to the point where they started gearing the show <laughs> towards, you know, Secrets and Lies wasn't intended to be the the, the, the Dan and Ryan show, but, like, because <laughs> we worked so well together and we right. had a rapport, and, you know, so I'd love to revisit that. Anytime you find that, that's something I think as a creative person you want to get back to, the ease of that, the comfort of that. You know? Well, there's a lot of possibilities because, um, you know, we, we are... We, we fit a good spectrum, so it it'd be it'd be cool to do like a like a maybe like a buddy cop movie or I don't know some kind of crazy like uh, um, even like a, a funny like a Abbott and Costello kind of style thing not, not Abbott and Costello obviously but you know <laughs> you have the you have your character the 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 more handsome character my character which is the even more extremely handsomer character. <laughs> <laughs> teamed up fighting kung and fu style. Yeah, and it'll be shot in black and white, and we've got pork pie hats, and nobody will see it. <laughs> Great. You know what? No, I, let's work on finding something. I am cultivating all sorts of things. Um, but uh, uh, you're the best, and um, the best. and I'm gonna. I'll, uh, I'll when the shit house goes up in flames and there's zombies. I have. A, I got your back. You got. I got it. your six. I appreciate it, brother. And best, best to the family. You too, man. And um, and here's to 2018. And uh, yes, and shoot straight, shooter. Godspeed. All right, man. <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. Take it easy, Dan. You too, brother. All right, man. Okay. Bye. Bye. Keith, are you there? I'm right here, babe. How do you feel? That was awesome. Did you like that? I love that. Are you tingling? Oh, my God. Let me tell you shut something. Up. Shut up. Shut up. Oh, my God. I, uh, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> I did melt for like two seconds. As soon as you told me who he was, I was like, oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, my God. Dude, I'm telling you.